So what are we talking about today? Well, I got to start off like we usually do, right? Mm-hmm. You mean Sick Jake mm-hmm. likes five games that he doesn't dump all over? Today on... I already did it, so I'll just push it ahead. Yeah, no, I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear anything. I figured you were too busy talking. I got earplugs now. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no mouth sounds. What? That's not a meme anymore. That's so 2020. It's less mouth sounds. It's more like sinus sounds, maybe? I don't know. Or maybe Either way, it's bad. <laughs> Get this moistness off our podcast. Moistness. <laughs> we, we need that dry, dry wit. That's what we need to do. Wit? We have wit? Take this British. Okay. We try to. All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Press B to Cancel. This week, today we're going to talk about my favorite games. My top five favorite games ever. But I mean... Warframe? Yeah, right. Really? There was a period for six months where Warframe would have probably made that top five. And that's the <laughs> thing. It's not like I ascended the Salt Mountain and came down with two tablets of crystal. And etched in them were five games I, I, you know, love immortally. No, it changes, right? I think even you said that, Paul, where top five kind of changes over time. And that's totally true. It's definitely. Well, I think it's just for the fact that I'm like, I love this game. Then I love this game. I love that game. I love it. And then by the end of it, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I fucking love that game. And ultimately, that's how Blizzard makes their money. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love World of Warcraft? It's all right. <laughs> so... So the way I was kind of hoping is that at some point everybody would do their top five. And then, you know, it's never fun to do it alone. It's good to have somebody bounce it off of, you know, whether you like it or disagree or hate all my choices. That's totally fair. Look, I'm always going to disagree with you just because we just have to have that. All right. It's it's kind of like, you know, north and south magnets and, oh, wait, no, those, those attract. We're both We're both in the north, so we have to repel each other. We have to. Yeah, there we go. That's what I'm going with. Well, I'm just going to say, I can't be the asshole every episode. I need somebody to step in. Even I'm number two. <sighs> Ready. Let's do and this. And just dump all over my games. You get it? Number two, dump. Wow. Anybody? Anybody? Wow. See, that's that dry wit I'm talking about. Forget that moistness. No. Nothing's wet here. There's nothing about the moist. Let's do this. Let's keep this dry. So Sick Jake's top five ever, at least for now. Number five. So I am a child of the 80s, actually. You know, I actually just turned 40, which is a huge milestone. And to celebrate that milestone, I like to spend some time with my kids and force them to watch all the shitty movies I did as a kid. (laughs) Every last one of them, from uh, Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren to, I don't know, uh, oh, Running Man. That was a good one, although I had to cover their eyes during the, (laughs) the violent parts. Masters of the Universe is not a bad movie. It's just a bad He-Man movie, okay? But anyways, let's keep going. There's there's more than one? No, I just mean, like, it's a, it's a good action movie. It was a good, like, fantasy movie. Just pretend it's not He-Man and you're all right. Uh, okay. Well, no. I, you know, we I know we talked about doing movie podcast episodes, and we should do more because that's a movie I would talk about. I love that movie, too, even if it is bad. <laughs> and you're right, it's not a he's not a good he man. Dolph Ludren is a good action hero in anything he does. Look, I mean he's jacked, but nobody's jacked to the point of like he man. <laughs> Especially back in the eighties. Like even Arnie was not that big. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, and Conan? I I feel like they're close. <laughs> anyway, you know who's not jacked? Fred Savage. <laughs> it's the opposite of jacked. And he started a movie in the 80s, and this is where I'm kind of... I, I promise this is games-related. It's coming back. Okay. Fred Savage was in a movie in the 80s called The Wizard. I don't know if you've seen that one uh, before. Oh, yeah. We, we've discussed it briefly on here before once, too, and I remember that. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's a glorified commercial for Nintendo, for sure. Like, absolutely for sure. Oh, yeah. Right? Where it's, like, uh, Fred Savage and his, his brother basically end up traveling to California and get roped into a video game per- tournament to make some money. Which is just the greatest premise for any movie as a kid in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, that's like the dream for any child. You could right. travel across country, no parents, playing video games. Why not? <laughs> so 
his kid plays all these different games, and they're all Nintendo related. I mean, know, and I mean, Nintendo sucks. Fuck you. I forgot I'm supposed to be the the antithesis to everything <laughs> you're saying here. So okay. I mean, there's no Genesis back in the NES era, so you, there's no, no argument. Nintendo was king of video games back true, then. True, true. Okay. There were no Atari, but but anyway, yeah. So, so one of the games you know that is highlighted at near the end of the Wizard is the grand finale. Jimmy's up on stage, not our Jimmy, different <laughs> Jimmy. Although Damn. he does wear a hat, and then the smoke <laughs> clears from the stage, and down comes this, this this stage just comes up, and on this big screen is Super Mario Brothers three. This is like the debut of that game in North America. Or maybe it's not. Maybe there's commercial before, I don't know. But as a kid, <laughs> seeing this movie and seeing that there's actually a Mario Brothers 3 now, that's pretty awe-inspiring. Yeah, it, that's genius marketing right there. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing. So my number five is Mario Brothers 3. No small part is because of the wizard and just the hype around it. There's that commercial. Everybody may not know now, but if you look it up in YouTube, it's just Mario... Mario, 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 it zooms out and just Mortal everybody around Kombat. the world in color t-shirts comes together. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. No, Mario is the true <laughs> fatality on your parents' wallet. Or, yeah, okay, that's fair too. But Super Mario Brothers 3 is like the king of, of Mario games for me. I know a lot of people love Mario World, and that's fine. It's probably more refined, but Mario 3 had everything. And it was just so much after the original Mario Brother game. You had so many power-ups... And just weird ones, right? Like Hammer Brothers, Mario, throwing hammers. That was just satisfying anyways for the fact that it's like, I'm going to get I'm gonna get revenge on these assholes. Well, there's that, and there's like a Tanuki Mario where you can turn to a stone statue. Don't know what Tanuki is at the time, but still pretty cool. Is there a different... Wait, okay, I got a question for you now because I was about to mention the Tanuki. Is that the same one that gives you like the unlimited flying? Or is that a different one? There's a P-Wing that gives you unlimited flying. That's what I'm thinking. I don't thinking. know if Tanuki gives you unlimited flying, too. I just remember that you're in the full <laughs> you're in the full furry suit, and you turn to stone. Sweet. And it's just pretty cool. And there's only, like, two of them in the entire game. Like, that's the thing. It's a game that had so, so many different power-ups, but the Mario, uh, the Hammer Brothers Mario one, I think there's only one in the entire game. <laughs> like, who does that? Who makes a game with all these power-ups, and they're so rare? But at the same time, you're just like, this makes you appreciate it. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm like, crack the knuckles, jump right in. Well, you're like, really save some of those power-ups. Like, you get the P-Wing, which, like you said, gives unlimited flying. And I used to always use it in the same spot. There's the Desert World. The Sorry, which one? I was going to say anything with an auto-scroller. Boom. <laughs> well, that, but there's also the desert level with the sun. I hate that motherfucker. Yeah, and you passion. fly over him. Yeah, you just fly it to the entire stage. That's one stage where I'll skip it. That's a trick I taught my kids. Don't deal with the sunshine. Just fly above it. Right. That's that's what we we've, we've learned over the years in Canada. When you actually see the sun, shit's about to go down. Yeah. When you see daylight, run away. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that up here in Canada. It works out well for us being hermits and video game like aficionados, self-proclaimed, of course. We stay in the basement in our natural environments. Yeah. But, it's but it's our so own many... basement now. It's not mom's. God damn it. <laughs> it's a step up in the world. <laughs> but it's great. This game is fantastic. I mean, everybody's played Mario Brothers 3, so I don't need to go on forever on this. But but there's so much variety in stages, right? And uh, We take for granted in later Mario games how there's the themed worlds. But Mario 3 had all that. Ice world, plant world. The one I liked the most is the one where it was big and small. Right, oh, where yeah, some levels yeah. had the giant Goombas and Koopas. I thought that was amazing as a kid on on Mario Three. Was that Monster Island or something, or Big World or something? Whatever it was called, that was definitely my favorite because there's nothing more satisfying than jumping on a Goomba that's like 17 times the size yeah, of you. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It had a weird Japanese inspired name, but it was really cool. And and that just shows you such a wide variety in graphics and themes and levels. They really pushed the Nintendo to the absolute limit in terms of what they're trying to do. Multiple power ups. Tons of levels, mini games, you know, multiple bosses, sprites up the nose. Like, it's getting crazy how much they had in Mario Bros. 3. Truly amazing for me as a sequel. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that because it's solid logic. It's really fun. I'm Like, if someone makes me play Mario 3, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be like, cool, okay, let's do this. And then try to find the double warp whistles and try to get ahead of everybody else. Yeah, well, that's another thing. The, the secrets in that game is amazing. The The warp whistles is great. There's all kinds of... Um, there's the ghost ship, which I didn't even know about until I was an adult. 
one that I remember the most is like ducking for an extended period of time on like a white block. I think yes. it was it always worked on a white block only or something. Yeah, there's only a handful of white blocks in the game. So once you knew though, you look you needed to look for it, and that's that's how you get the whistle, right? That's right. great. Yeah, that game is insane. And you look at it went from Mario Brothers one to this, right? It couldn't be a more drastic change in a sequel. But uh, but there was a Mario Brothers two, wasn't there? But a Doki Doki two, nah. <laughs> Go back to episode was it three? <laughs> <laughs> We discussed this in detail. Check out our backlog at pressbeatacancel.com slash... Oh, shit. I don't know. I don't know the slash. But it's on pressbeatacancel.com. A hundred and something odd years of retro gaming experience. Available wherever you like your favorite shows. Yada, yada. Yeah, we got to do our math again. Because it's another year gone by. So that's like another four years that we've got added to the tally. They got to update it everywhere. Yeah. Add to the list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Mario Brothers 3. My number five. I think it's an amazing game, and it's definitely my top five. And it's one that does not move around from that list. That's a solid number five. I'd even give it a solid number two. <laughs> Funny. I see what you did there. Yeah. You're not the only one who can make dry poop jokes. <laughs> There's never so many dry poop jokes. We don't need no moistness. That's a whole other <laughs> medical problem. All right. So uh, I realize, look at my list now. It's less consoles than I expected. <laughs> There's a lot of PC on here. And this next one, number four, is a PC Warframe. game. No, it's not Warframe. Look, I like Warframe. I'm trying to bring it back, okay? Warframe and I are on a break right now. They're a Canadian company. I want to support Canadian companies, but it's a bit trashy right now. <laughs> Just now. Normally it's great. No Warframe. Anyway, but it is a first-person shooter, kind of. And much like Warframe, it has like RPG mechanics behind it. And it's Deus Ex, a game I tried getting you to play, <laughs> and I think you bounced hard off it. I bounced hard off it, but I'll, I'll tell you why once you, but after you tried to sell me on this. So talk, tell me, sell, sell me, boy. So Deus Ex, there's so many reasons why I love this game. Uh, graphically, using the original Unreal Engine, it's a cut above shooters in that area, that era. Really takes advantage of everything that engine has to offer. Huge maps, loads of enemies, and just the the map design itself, they really kind of came at the angle of you're JC Denton, this nano augmented agent. Do you want to be stealthy? Then you can go through the, you know, the air ducts. Do you want to be first person shooter Rambo style? You can do that too. And bust down a door. You like reading people's emails like a pervert. Well, sure. You can hack computers too. They had multiple play styles and skills you unlocked in your character to let you do basically play how you want. And this is like the, I don't know if there's a game that's quite like this, that started this genre, but there are games now, even today, like Cyberpunk, for example, that copy or are influenced by the original Deus Ex. And just, I don't know about you, but I used to work Night Shift years ago. And I used to listen to late night talk radio, coast to coast AM with, uh, what's his name? George Nori, I think it was. And it was all about conspiracy theories, aliens and anal probings and government crackdowns and I don't believe any of that shit, but I used to listen to it at midnight at 3 a.m. Look, you had me at anal probes, okay? Yeah, well, no anal probes. I don't need those. It's not dry enough. <laughs> but anyway, but I, I used to love listening to the radio. It's always entertaining anyway. And Deus Ex is all about conspiracy theories from, you know, the Men in Black to the Majestic 12. This unraveling this plot of, you know, corrupt corporations and, and a, a cure to a man-made plague and all this stuff. It's fantastically done. And just the atmosphere, the story and plot, the, the all dialogue is voiced, right? Everything in the game. And this is an early PC title for the most part. I, I'm trying to remember when it came out. Isn't it? I want to say 90s. I could be wrong. Oh, no, no. No, keep going. I'll, I'll check my mind, Palace. It, it was one of the first first PC games I played with nice graphics, is what I want to say. I can't remember what computer I had back then, but I just got a new video card. And in part, it was so I could play Deus Ex because I had bought it and I couldn't run it. Was it a Voodoo 2? No, no. It was an NVIDIA card, I want to say. It's one of the early ones, though. But it looks amazing. The game looks great. Even today, there's... um Even without the mod packs, there is mod packs that upgrade the graphics. But I want to say there's reflections and whatnot back then. So, I mean, it was obviously early Unreal, so it was blocky. Right. Uh, graphics and polygons. But it looks good, and I think it still holds up today. And I just... I love playing this game every few years. I always go back to it. And I love Deus Ex. 
My mind palace tells me it's 2000, by the way. Uh, literally 2000. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, Jesus, 21 years ago. Yeah. And that's a good year for it, too, because, like, you know, we were entering the future then, you know, a whole new millennium. So, that, that's I think that's a, a very good time for that game to come out. Well, the whole worry of the Y2K bug possibly bringing down the internets. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah. So, okay. So, I liked it because the RPG stuff and the stealth elements, but I think you didn't like that kind of stuff. I, okay. Well, the first thing I started off playing, instead of going into the game, there's a, tu- a tutorial that you have, and it says, you know, do the tutorial first. Okay. And because I don't have a manual, this is an old game. It's an old 3D game. This is when you have more than just left, right, B to shoot, jump as A, you know. I started playing through it, and I got stuck in the tutorial to a point where you have to be stealthy and get past like three guards in this like i think it was like a figure eight shaped room or something okay anyways i tried it four times and every time i did it an alarm would go off and i'm like i just want to kill the guards and fuck off <laughs> okay and i got really pissed off with it because like you said it's an early pc game for 3d it's not as intuitive as the modern stuff is now so you know i'm used to playing things with wasd Everything is within a couple of keystrokes, you know? And this one is... I remember the jokes making fun of it with uh, the boys over in Tadpog and talking about how, you know, let's use left parentheses to, you know, look up and right parentheses to look down. And it got really confusing, and it's the first time I remember playing a game on PC that had, like, the F keys as part of the control scheme. And I was like... I don't want to rebind this because then I'm sure I'm going to screw myself up even more. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to power through it. And then by the time we get to that stealth thing, nah, nah, man, nah, <laughs> I was like, okay, no, this is enough. Getting a headache. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, and just shut it off. But every, everything you told me about it just now makes me want to give it a try again. And especially if I can go full on Rambo mode, because not that I'm afraid of the stealth. I'm just afraid of the stealth in this and all the things that, you've mentioned before with the conspiracy theories and and all this stuff going on i want to check it out because that sounds entertaining as hell yeah the last time i played it i kind of the the opening mission fuck the tutorial Uh, you're right tutorials in these kind of games sucks because it forces you to do stealth when you don't want to and i like doing stealth in deus ex but you hit a point almost always where stealth goes wrong (laughs) and that's the fun part right you've been you spend half the mission sneaking around then you make a mistake and you screw up and somebody sees you and you have to fight your way through the rest of the mission. I like that. I used to like that in Goldeneye as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's I think that's what I was expecting more was like it for it to play just like Goldeneye because it kind of had that same aesthetic to it for me. And I'm just like, well, not aesthetic, but like just, I guess, the, the same era, you know, roughly. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. this I, I could. No, no, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, the last time I played, I got stuck in the first mission. It was dark. I couldn't see a damn thing. I forgot that if you press F something, it turns on your flashlight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's and that kind of game. Yeah. And oh, yeah, so there was so much to remember in the beginning. And I'm like, okay, this is very simple. This is very basic. This is how to use proximity mind. This is how to do this, do that. Oh, no. When it came to like jumping over a pipe and then cl- and climbing under the next one and stuff like that that took way way longer than i expected it so yeah dude you gotta work for it yeah if you if you do play it again forget the tutorial just dive into the game and do the best you can and then i like stealth but you don't need to you can kind of do it's best played with a mix of different things but i think for the story alone the game is worth playing yeah well that's what i wanted to get into it because there's one two three four five six seven according to my mind palace and uh when you have that many entries into a series you get to develop a lot of lore behind it and a lot of uh a lot of context and a lot of references to each other that i really want to check out is there that many no deus ex deus ex invisible war deus ex human revolution deus ex human revolution mankind divided that's still there i had two more to go besides that (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. There's Human Revolution, The Missing Link, uh, The Fall, Go, and Divided. I'm guessing Go is like a mobile one, maybe? Yeah, Go is the... Um, there's a there's a bunch of those. The Hitman Go, Lorecroft Go. It's um, a puzzle-style game. It's good, actually, 
for what it is. <laughs> you just named it. Actually, they're all made by. They were said people else to search for. I mean, uh, in my memory bank. Sorry, in the memory <laughs> mind palace. Hitman Go, the uh, Lara Croft Go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I played the Hitman one uh, quite a bit. It's fun. But yeah, uh, there's four main entries, I guess. I never did play Invisible War actually. There's there's a few franchises where I kind of played the first entry and I fell off it, which is interesting. I did play Human Revolution, and that game is also I like it. It's not as good as the original, though, for me. Like, Human Revolution is a game I will probably never play again. But the original Deus Ex, I played a dozen times. Cool. All right, well, maybe I'm going to have to stream it, and you can talk me through it, because I'm going to need help. It's it's such an experience, though. It's good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Okay, so I agree with five. Four, I'm kind of on the fence, but uh, I want to give it a shot. So, let's yeah, let's go on to number three. What do we got here? Number three is a classic... On the Super Nintendo, nobody can hate this game. I don't want to warframe. Care no, not there's no warframe on SNES. I mean, there's Robotrek, but it's not nearly the same thing. <laughs> no, this is uh, not my first Zelda game, but definitely the one that probably sticks in my head a lot, especially lately, and is linked to the past. And I'm always torn on this because I really love Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, and this is where the the mood hits you. This very easily could be linked to the past or Link's Awakening, depending on what time of the year it is and what I played recently. Right. Um, Christmas time, you're definitely more of a Link's Awakening kind of guy. <laughs> well, I do like Link's Awakening, but no, Link to the Past is the, the reason I, I picked it right now. It's more challenging than Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening only has one section that I find hard. Otherwise, Link's, Link to the Past is hard in various spots. But it's, I mean, everybody play, everybody's played this game. Who doesn't love Link's Awakening? Two worlds, light and dark. There's what? How many bosses in this game? Twelve? Like a, a lot of bosses. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, the, it the two worlds thing alone right there because I thought I had the game beaten when I was about to fight Aghanim for the first time, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna fight Ganon after this. No, no, I was like, holy shit! Like it's just like unlocking this whole other game entirely, and then you go, you end up going back and forth. So and you spend more time in the dark world than the light world too. Like you th- there's a good chunk of game in the light world. And then there's, there's only the three palaces. And then you're in Dark World, and there's like, what, seven or something? It's nuts. Seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. And just so many items and different abilities. And I used to love uh, Legend of Zelda on Nintendo, right? That's one of my first games on the Nintendo. The OG, not Zelda 2? Uh, I do like Zelda 2. I'm not one of those assholes that hates it. <laughs> but <laughs> I like the original Zelda more than Zelda 2. And that's okay. But the original Zelda well, was... we're allowed to disagree, so, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, I like Zelda 2 better, so... That's the idea. <laughs> but the original was, like, always, like, obtuse. Like, you get lost and just not know where to go. Link's Awakening, I always feel like I knew where to go. Even if it got tricky in spots, I knew where to go and progress. One thing that I've realized is that it has this connection to Super Metroid. And they have, like, that randomizer where you switch between games. Yes. And I was like, why the hell would that happen like these are two completely different like it just used to make me salty to think about <laughs> and then i realized how much similar they are and in that same kind of progression you know where you you have to get this to go here or you have to get that to go there and when i finally played the randomizer for link to the past which i still haven't beaten one yet it was really apparent how well this game was made because like i'm not a huge zeldor fan I, you know the zeldor games for me i'm not a big on but this one, I really appreciate what it's done for video games in general because they, they pushed so many boundaries and it was basically an entry, like uh, one of the, what do you call it? Like a release entry almost. Yeah, it was an early Super Nintendo title. It's definitely one of the first ones I played. Yeah, and uh, so uh, just for the fact that they pushed the hardware as much as they did in that game, like it's just so many little details. They're really cool. And like you mentioned, the randomizer, and that's one of the points I have for why this kind of beats out Link's Awakening. Although there is there is ROM hacks for Link's Awakening. I haven't played many of them. But Link to the Past has quite a thriving ROM hacking community. And when that randomizer came out in 2016, I think I first played it in 2017, I want to say. And that just, that just brings a fresh coat of paint to a game I never thought possible. It really is amazing. Suddenly it goes to being this classic SNES game I love, to now it feels like a crossword puzzle or a Sudoku or something where you have to find the items and they're in a random order, but still somehow the game has been coded in a way you can still beat it like a puzzle, right? You may have to go between 
XYZ and Dark World back and forth a few times. Or I love how it'll say, you know, here's Zelda. We're not going to give you a sword. <laughs> here's a hammer. Good luck. Right? It's, it's yeah. hilarious. And as hard as it is, it's fun. Oh, that happened to you too? <laughs> yeah, it is, is really cool how they've done that. It, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me because... It's like I know they had to change stuff for the randomizer, obviously, to make it work. But the fact that it's at its core would work like that, it it's, it just shows how well it was thought out. Well, one of my most favorite memories of this game entirely comes because of the randomizer. It's uh, King Zora, which you have to normally in the classic game, you have to go to him, give him a couple hundred rupees and you get the flippers. Right. It's a progression thing. Uh, there are so many times in randomizer runs where that son of a bitch <laughs> I give him 200 rupees, and what does he give me? A single arrow. 20 back. <laughs> yeah, or five rupees back. <laughs> it's like, you asshole. And that's like you have to find what you want somewhere else. And it happens all the time, and it just it's, <laughs> it makes me salty, but it's funny as hell. And that's power of randomizer. I call those charred monk chests, because <laughs> when I was watching, before I played it myself, and every time I saw Charred open a chest, that's what he got was rupees rupees yeah. rupees too he's just cursing he's like oh yeah how many rupees are gonna get this time and now so yeah that's that's what i think so chard you you've not ruined that game for me but you've you've got that reference you are a meme in my mind now yeah it's, it's hilarious and the neat thing is that it, they've been working on that randomizer for years now like it's very mature compared to what it used to be like like the things like you used to get the uh plus five arrows or plus five bombs that's been taken out i think at this point so they've made it more approachable so it's always still fun to get into but it's deep if you really dive down that rabbit hole zelda randomizer is very deep and i love it for that yeah i, I can get behind that i gotta say because i again i'm not a huge zelda fan and i love saying it like that because it, it gets under some people's skin just triggering some people right now <laughs> so, just triggered, somebody's yeah. got a hand over the email right now just typing an angry tweet or something <laughs> yeah why does he keep calling it zelda <laughs> but no it is just i'm not a huge fan of it in general, in the series in general, but this is one that I will go back and play. And like every, like every couple of years, I want to play it and it just feels fresh. It's just enjoyable. And I think it's aged better than I want to say 90% of the games I've played as a kid. So, I mean, I think we mentioned before about how 2d sprite work might've aged better for us, at least for our group compared to 3d. And I think that's never been more true for me than this versus say, or green of time. I like, Zelda on the N64, but Link to the Past to me just looks better. I just I go to it more than anything else. I I don't know the like the the back humping zombies in Ocarina of Time still freak me out though. I'm not gonna lie, because they're just sketchy enough and they're just low res enough that my imagination starts going, and then they start like trying to eat you. And oh, okay, let's let's go on to number two, please. Solid number two. Number two, we're going back to PC. Because, again, surprisingly, my list is a lot of PC. And no, it's not Warframe, you son of a bitch. No, no. I don't know if it's... No, it's not retro. I'm just looking at the age of this one. <laughs> For 2013, Bioshock Infinite is my, num is my number two. I think you played this one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a few reasons why I like this one. A lot of this comes down to that time in my life, uh, when I got a chance to play it, was when my uh, my youngest daughter was born. So I think I've told this before. <laughs> I keep telling this story as a, a lesson for any new father out there who thinks, like I did at the time, that they mastered parenting. It's, you know, 3 a.m. and it's your turn to look after the baby. Wife's asleep. I got to feed the baby. I want to play games. I haven't played a game in, like, days. And I'm starting to go nuts. So I have this new game, Bioshock Infinite. But it's a first-person shooter, hand on keyboard and mouse, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized if I rebind my controls on my mouse, I could move forward and left and right because I had one of those fancy razor mice at the time. So, so here I am holding a baby in one hand. I just fed her. She's just she's asleep, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm look look at look at me, man. I'm one fucking dry motherfucker. Look how cool I am. I'm playing a first-person shooter, one-handed, no problem. I got a daughter in one arm. I'm a master parent and gamer, and then. My daughter spewed all over the keyboard. <laughs> like, my youngest is a puker. And that's when I really learned how much that night. is like, dude, monitor, keyboard, desk, just pasted. 
and white vomit. <laughs> and it was just a trend for the next year, next six months till we figured it out. But she was a massive puker. And thankfully, it was a Razer keyboard, Black Widow. Razer, I'll take sponsorships, please. Because that thing came clean, no problem. <laughs> Is that one of the ones with like the, the, the drain holes in it? Uh, no, but I was able to take the keys off and clean it out. It, it took me a solid hour, though, man. Try, try puke is not fun to clean, let me tell you. Look, I don't care. That's an hour or not, the fact that it's working again. Yeah. Go razor. And that's the thing. I had that thing for years. So, I mean, that was my, again, first daughter. There's another reason it fits in that as well, is without spoiling the game. Because this game is a game you should play without spoilers. Yeah, definitely. In the there, There's a plot in the game where, at a point, there's a flashback sequence where a baby is ripped from your arms. I just had a kid, baby in my arms. In the game, she's being torn from your arms. I shed a tear. I don't care. Who who knows? That game hit me in the emotional feels. And it's a feeling that if I played it now, I don't think I, w- I would be as attached to it. So I almost don't want to play this game ever again. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you look back, it's perfect. You yeah. Know? And there's just enough of a haze that you don't think of all the little things that pissed you off in the middle of it. So, yeah, I can totally get that. That's, I, I can't get the, the kid thing. I definitely can't say I was playing a game one-handed with a child <laughs> in my arm. That's uh, pretty impressive. But at the same time, I also didn't have to clean puke out of my keyboard. So That's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's okay. You're still coming out on top yeah. on this one, so it's okay. <laughs> but it, it really is a good game for other reasons too. Like the story is really well done. Some of the some of the some sequences are a bit too long for me. Like I'm not great at first person shooters by any stretch, uh, but the plot was really good in this game. The, the the when you first enter, what's the what's even the city even called? I forget now. Columbia. Columbia. Okay, so when you first enter Columbia and like. You see the, the city around you, the lights fades from your eyes, and it's just this beautiful floating freaking city. And it's just amazing, jaw-dropping. You hear barbershop quartet singing, girls just want to have fun. All the hidden music references is hilarious. Yeah, there's a Beach Boys tune in there. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of like hidden tracks in there. And there's a few that are played backwards, I think, as well, I was reading. Yeah, like, and that's the that's another thing. Like, we can get into that, but there's so many little nuances to that game, not just the story wise, but all these little references and things that they make you go back and you like you don't you don't get it all in the first playthrough. Yeah. So it's it's a game. You're right. Like you play it through once, and then when you get to the end of it, and you you kind of pick up on the the hints dropped earlier, and you do want to play it again. I think I played it a couple times when it first came out. Yeah, I did too. I immediately started over. I was like, oh, cool. It's a solid, solid game. Just an amazing story. And it is a game that will stick with you. The gameplay, though, is one where I don't know if it holds up, and I'm, I'm kind of leery to go back to it. But the atmosphere, like when I got the Oculus Rift, the first thing I did was look up how can I play Bioshock Infinite on, in VR. <laughs> um, I don't think you could at the time, but I got myself sick because it wasn't meant for it. But I wanted to. Just to look around that Columbia and see everything is amazing. Oh, yeah, that'd be sick. I gotta say, it's kind of like I, it has the Matrix effect, is what I call it, because the Matrix was like the first movie was kind of like the biggest mindfuck I had as like a young teen, you know, like I was like fourteen, fifteen, somewhere around there, and I was like, oh man. So when you get like the reveal and stuff, when things start coming together in the Matrix, you're like, oh, you know, it's the Inception moment, and that's what this one has because there's you play through the game and they they give it to you. It's all there in front of you, but then when you finish the game, it's like, oh, so it's it's kind of like watching The Matrix the second time, yeah. you know, and you know what's going on. All of a sudden, these little references along the way are like, hey, I never, hey, I never, whoa, real cool, you know? Yeah, once it all like clicks together, you're just like, a lot of appreciation for the, the story writers, for sure, in this game. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing about this, so if I mentioned I like Bioshock Infinite a lot, and I've gotten some flack from a few people when they realize I've not played the first two games ever. <laughs> I, I would say, like, no, that's not a big deal for me. That's not a deal breaker. I think they're cool. There's there's a reference near the end, I think it was, without spoiling anything, uh, that kind of ties it in somehow. But it's very minuscule. Like, it's not something that you need to play the original. The second one's like, look at the second one as like an extended DLC. It's not that bad. It's fun. It's just not that great. Like an expansion pack. Yeah, pretty much. And and it's just, no, but the first one's amazing. 
Infinite. Uh, it, it was really hard for me to decide to decide which one I like better, and I think Infinite edges out by not not much. Well, at least I'm not alone in this one. That's good because people really love the original Bioshock a lot. If you haven't played it, I want you to look. I'll play Deus Ex and <laughs> play Bioshock. I do own it. I just I have to sit down and play it. It just Bioshock Infinite raises that bar and just. I don't think the first game is going to have the same level of plot. At least I, I at least I don't think so. If I'm wrong, I'll love it. It's I think the plot is what makes it in the original. So, I mean, they, they it's kind of like polished in in Infinite, but uh, cuz this, you know, you're in the sky. In the first one, you're in Rapture, you're in underwater. Right. So, there's it, it's kind of more forgiving in that sense because it's just like the combat doesn't go the same high octane. You're not as flying around on rails and stuff as you are in infinite so it's it's a different experience but i think you'd enjoy it okay i'll have to check it out it's definitely the list of games i need to go back and play for sure because I, I really do love Bioshock infinite all right so that we have a solid number two <laughs> i see what you did there so number one so what is number one number one dry number one starts with a w world of warcraft no <laughs> what no what's wrong what's wrong with you World of Warcraft. WWF WrestleMania. Actually, that over World of Warcraft. I actually deleted my Blizzard account. I forget why. I was pissed off at them for some reason. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Delete. Uh, sir, sir, I'm upset with you. Angry tweet will not suffice. I cancel my Warcraft account entirely. So yeah, I got rid of that game. Nice. Um, <laughs> no, it's not Warcraft. It's not Warframe. And it, but it's another W. It's The Witcher 3, which... I have some feelings about now because I just played uh, a good chunk of Cyberpunk 2077, which is the follow-up game from that company. <laughs> you were about to say, like, you just had a kid and you're playing Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And I'm like, if you just had, like, sex with what's-her-name or the other what's-her-name <laughs> or the other what's-her-name, then goddamn, man, how can I argue with this? Well, it is funny, because that's what Witcher 3 comes back on, right? The meme is, you know, uh, Yennefer or Triss. I'm like, all right, okay, guys. There's a game here, though. It's a good game. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's kind of like God of War, where it's like, yeah, the game is fun, but everybody knows that scene where you, like, bang a bunch of, like, women or something all at once. Yeah, all the TNA. And, like, Witcher 3, <laughs> I mean, yes, adult game by by far. I mean, the, the game before, Witcher 2, also had a lot of that. And even Witcher 1... Although not as graphic, you uh, you collected cards when you slept with the different, you know, human-like monsters. It's a, it a weird thing, man. But that's not why I like these games. Uh, Witcher 3, it's for the lore and how it just immerses you in this story. It's it's fantasy, right? There's elves and dwarves and, and dragons. But it's not your Lord of the Rings type of stuff. It's not World of Warcraft type elves, right? Witcher has a very Polish influence, to its storytelling and its lore. And it's all based on, you know, folk tales, fairy tales, Hansel and Gretel type of stuff. Right. The difference between like Lord of the Rings, like Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's not, uh, is not American. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Pretty sure. British, I think. Yeah, there you go. So like still very English. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I can see that because there's that Scandinavian kind of thing to uh, The Witcher, which plays it so much differently like like you said none of the elves and stuff like that i've only watched people playing it but and i've played a little bit of it just to see if i was into it i wasn't but i can see why people love this game and it's not just because it's a beautiful game but it's it seems like it has a lot of uh a lot of details done right and like they they really put you in the the role of the monster slayer right when you play as Geralt, i wish you could make your own character but Geralt's really great but you have the two swords, you know, the, the steel sword for men, the silver sword for monsters, or just the idea of like that being the lore is, is very unique. Um, you're like a swordsman, right? You're not wearing plate mail, right? You're not casting, you're not a wizard, you're not casting spells, but you're kind of a mix of all of them, right? You have bombs and traps, alchemy, potions. You have two swords, so you are a fighter, right? But you're nimble and quick. You wear leather armor like a thief, right? And you do have a little bit of magic, you know, uh, various signs like Jedi-like powers. And you have to use all of it, right? If you play on easy, you don't. But if you play on normal or harder, the game forces you to use every tool at your disposal. It's a game where 
all a bunch of side quests are hunting monsters, right? If you want to hunt a cockatrice or something, you find yourself reading the bestiary to find out what they're weak against because you need that information to beat the encounter. Nice. There's no game I played where that does this, where it forces you to research a little bit before you kill a monster. And it's not everywhere in the game, but there's a lot of side quests that are very deep with that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Um, so I love the I love the combat. The story is the original game is really good, but the plot kind of falls into the trope of save the universe, which is okay. It's it's not not my favorite part of the game, but it's good. Where the story really catches though is the DLCs, and like I I'm not a fan of DLC. I don't like paying for it. But The Witcher 3, if there's ever a case for solid DLC, it's this game. They don't feel like DLC. They feel like expansion packs. Okay. that's That sounds actually pretty enticing. I've heard good things, but not not put into that way. So I like that. Well, like the first one, Heart of Stone, it expands a couple things. But in terms of the plot, you literally are working with somebody who's the devil. It's like an ancient primordial evil. And he basically has you collecting a debt from somebody that he's giving more immortality to. And you have to kind of do some wishes for this guy. And at first you meet this guy you're you're doing these wishes for, and he's just a dick. <laughs> he's an asshole. He sets you <laughs> up, he almost kills you. You hate this guy. But by the time you get to the end of the DLC and you realize why he has a heart of stone, why he's so cold, why he's why he's a dick, you feel really bad for him. And when it wraps up, you're like, huh. Like the plot is really well done, really well written, and it's not save the universe. You're saving the soul of a man so it kind of brings it back down and it's at a level that really fits the witcher lore better i think like having watched watched the tv show recently and i've read some of the books it feels more like a witcher tale right more about the monster about the man not about saving the universe um so it's really well done um the last dlc blood and wine the, the thing with witcher 3 is it's a very dark game right gritty swamps muck everybody's just terrible human beings you encounter people spit at you in the game it's very dark and then you go to the um, Toussaint which is the the area where blood wine takes place and it's like France right bright and cheerful meadows <laughs> bright colors knights in armor <laughs> with feathers it's bread and cheese everywhere no, seriously there's vineyards you actually get one it's hilarious so it's very bright and cheerful but underneath it though is a story about vampires some good some bad and again it comes down to it's a very witcher story a local story where the bad guy you think is not the bad guy you think he is right it's it's all shades of gray in the witcher series and it's blood and wine if you play this game and you have not played the dlc you need to because blood and wine takes every stray plot thread that you may even think of for Geralt and just knots it and ties it there's no loose ends at the end of witcher 3 it's at the point where i heard that there's a, another witcher game coming out in the next who knows when they can't have Geralt in it. If they do, it's going to ruin it. It's like Matrix 3. They should have stopped. <laughs> Don't do any more. Because <laughs> yeah. his story is done. And they've, and they've done every, such a good job of tying it down. I don't want to see Geralt in anything else ever again. They need a new character, a new story. Sometimes you'd need that because it's like sequels don't make it better. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love Ninja Turtles 2, but that's a whole different experience than Ninja Turtles 1. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't need any more, right? Like uh, Avengers movies, yeah. I'm I'm done. No more Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, no post credit scenes. Yeah, no, that's cool. I, I like I haven't played it. I haven't given it an a shot. I I had I don't know which one I had two or three. I got for free on Xbox Live when I had my 360. So it's probably the second one. It's one of those games that I I want to read the books and everyone's yeah. like, play the games first. I'm like why? Because it's, it's a different experience. I was like, well, yeah, I know. But I like I just like reading the books first and then comparing. Like, I read Dracula, and then I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula, you know, with Keanu. Uh, maybe I should play the game first. Okay. Yeah, well, Witcher 3 does have characters that are mentioned in the books. Um, but the story completely stands alone. Your, your character has amnesia or had amnesia in Witcher 2. So kind of that's your good entry point to the series. So you don't need to have read the books. I read them after I beat the game. After playing the game, I'm like... I need more. And then now the TV shows on Netflix. I love it. Um, but they're def they're different stories. They do stand apart. And the game is just amazing to play. Like it, reading the books will give you a little history of the world, but totally not necessary to play the game. Okay. Um, Witcher 2 is also really good. It has the same good storytelling, but it's not open world. It's more 
linear. And it's not quite as polished as Witcher 3, especially the combat. The combat's, it's hard to get into. Witcher 3, you can kind of futz your way through it, even if you're not really good at it. Witcher 2 demands you be good at the combat, and it's hard to get back into. How much of a difference was there between the games and time for release, anyway? Uh, Witcher 2 was 2011, I want to say. No, it might have been earlier than that. My mind pal is, is telling me Witcher 3 is 2015. Okay. So, I mean, four years, that's that's a pretty sizable jump for, you know, for them to figure things out more, too. Yeah, I, I, the main thing with them, I remember, is um, I used to be a big fan of Neverwinter Nights, which was made by Bioware. And the reason that ties in, I love Neverwinter Nights. Uh, Witcher 1 used the same engine. They leased it from Bioware, but they kind of, they altered it. They drastically changed it. There was no tiles in Witcher 1. And uh, totally different gameplay. Like, it's a clicky-based mouse game, whereas 2 kind of takes it to a classic RPG, and then 3 is this open-world thing. So all three Witcher games stand apart and are very different gameplay-wise, but they're they're all good. 3 is just amazing. And I feel differently about this now because, you know, I've been waiting for Cyberpunk, which is CD Projekt Red's next game, for years now. And having played it, it's kind of like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I'm just waiting to see if Cyberpunk has DLC at the same level as Witcher 3's Blood and Wine something tells me it's not going to happen though yeah we'll see how it goes I'm, I'm kind of curious because I I won't be playing Cyberpunk not for any reason that I other than I'm a cheap ass and I want to wait until it's all fixed so yeah. like it'll probably be like 3-4 years before I actually get around to doing it but I think I don't know the way that the way things have been going now, I'm kind of wondering if it's gonna if it's gonna go well, or if it's just gonna go go to like I'll go to pot. So because I, I don't know which like Witcher three that seems like they've put a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of time and care into, and Cyberpunk, not saying they haven't put the time and effort in, but you know it's rushed and didn't get that polished from the start. So I just I'm just curious how it'll turn out. Well, I think with Witcher two, Witcher as well, um, Witcher three rather. It was not the most polished game when it first came out. There was there were bugs, not quite, you know, what Wolf had in Cyberpunk of embedding himself in the car. <laughs> but it had bugs, and it was um, the post-released updates was really well done. The company does put extended amounts of effort into updating the game after release, and Cyberpunk will be the same from what I've seen. But yeah, the, the Witcher 3's story and, and gameplay right from the gate was really good. I, I don't know. It's a game that everybody needs to play. I, I don't understand why. Well, it is popular. <laughs> I know a lot of people have played it. But uh, it, I like this more than Skyrim, I think. I'd rather play a Witcher game than Elder Scrolls any day of the week. Oh, wow. Okay. I've only played Oblivion and Skyrim, so maybe I should try 2 and 3 for The Witcher. Definitely 3. 2 is good, too. All right. Well, that's my top 5. If you disagree, suck it. <laughs> It's my five, and it changes all the time. <laughs> it's, I'm going to ask you again in three weeks' time and see if I get the same answer. Well, I was very close to putting Hades and the Messenger on here, but I, I, I restrained myself. I'm sticking to this list. Dude, I'm still pissed off at the Messenger, okay? I'm stuck on a boss, and I keep on quitting every time I, I boot it up. What boss are you stuck on? I don't know. He's like a devil-looking dude, and I uh, got to... Uh, yeah. Bazamel, or whatever I think his name is. He's He's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like a, much like The Witcher. The messenger forces you to learn the mechanics and forces you to get good. And that boss is a is a tough one. All right. Cool. Well, All right. All right, Pulse. Thanks very much. Maybe tell people where they can find you. I know she's been streaming lately. I stream. Shit. Okay. Well, you can try to find me sometimes on Twitch.tv/slash Pulse109. That's P-A-L-S-H 109. And uh, where can we find more of of the sickest of Jakes? Well, until my kids go to bed on time and stay there, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. That's pretty much where it's going to be. And, of course, I'm Press B to Cancel. And it's PressBeatToCancel.com, or you can find our audio version of our podcast on Stitcher, Google, Apple, Podchaser. Uh, just do Google search. It's everywhere. And, of course, if you like what you're listening to and you want to support our podcast because hosting ain't free, and we appreciate it, you can find us on, what are we on now, Patreon? We are on Patreon. As I like to call it, Patreon. Patreon. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we have a proper Patreon now, and we're going to be releasing one episode to Patreon a month, 
and we're going to be doing some movies instead of uh, games just to spread it out and make it a little bit more fun and because we all like watching movies so we just want to shoot the shit about more pop culture stuff because we like shooting the shit with each other at least i love shitting on your shooting shit that's pretty much the, the whole idea I need a second in command of being the asshole on the podcast. Can't just be me. <laughs> I can't be the one who hates everything. And I do like movies. And if you can't throw money our way, that's cool too. You can just like, retweet, subscribe to the to the podcast. All that helps support the show, and we greatly appreciate it. If you share it with one friend and one friend enjoys the show, it's a success. So thank you if you do that. And uh, otherwise, just keep listening and keep enjoying it. You can also join our po- our, our podcast discord and if you want to join that the quick link for that is bit.ly slash press b to cancel so if you use discord hopefully join in on the conversation do we have do we have anything else to plug besides social media that we probably don't pay attention to enough because it's so overwhelming well i've been i've been trying to do the instagram thing it's tough (laughs) (laughs) i can't keep up with this instagram stuff anyway we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on facebook and also we have kofi 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 if you want and uh you don't want to subscribe every month but you want to throw a few dollars our way even just to buy a coffee for us check it out ko-fi slash press b to cancel yeah there's another way to support us but of course the main thing is listening in and sharing with your friends so thank you everybody everybody have a great week Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Last Ancient on Spotify or The Last Ancient on Bandcamp. For more episodes, please visit our website at pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been Press B to Cancel. Thank you.